Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Well, it is officially spring, score one for the good guys, which means warmer weather, which means you don't need as heavy a clothes. So maybe you may want to lighten up your wardrobe a little bit by head over to Leon Tailoring. That's right, maybe a nice spring jacket or maybe a nice pair of slacks or trousers or perhaps a nice spring dress uh, for the ladies in our audience. No matter what it is, Leon Tailoring can take care of all your spring needs. So spring on over Leon Tailoring. Larry, Norm, Kim, and Judy, happy to see you. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown. Indianapolis. Well, it's nine o'clock, folks, and it looks like we have several online, so let's go ahead and get started. Kevin, if you want to kick things off with a, a brief uh, recap and then let Adam and Greg also do a brief recap of what's going on in their areas, and we'll open it up for questions. That sounds good. Are we ready to start? Are we only waiting for others to um, join? I have us at 9.01, so I think we can go ahead and get started. Okay. Let me clear my throat. Um, well, good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us once again. Um, we are in the heart of the um, second half of session with uh, many, many committee hearings being scared, uh, scheduled this week as um, we head into the home stretch here in the, the last month of this legislative session. I thought I'd run through, uh, there are just any number of bills that the chamber is uh, following and advocating on that impact uh, and are of interest to the business community this week. Um, thought I'd run through them. Right now, as, we, as we're speaking, um, the House Public Health Committee is hearing both Senate Bill 1 and Senate Bill 4, um, Senate Bill 1 being the Behavioral Health Commission recommendations and uh, for enhanced uh, mental health services and uh, to join the 988 National Hotline. Uh, we are supportive of both of those. Uh, the big question really on those, um, while there's, there's some, I think, perhaps differences between the House and the Senate on Senate Bill 4 and how far you go with the Public Health Commission, the, um, the real issue is, is how do you fund the expanded uh, services and the recommendations? And um, we're anxiously waiting to see what the Senate comes up with in its budget, which will probably be late next week. Uh, but as I'll repeat what the, the chamber has said, which is that uh, we join other organizations in supporting that the, these commission uh, programs and reports be funded by a $2 per pack increase in the cigarette tax and um, comparable increases in other tobacco and nicotine delivery products. Uh, we have also this morning, uh, Senate tax and fiscal policy. Um, there is the sort of annual Department of Local Government Finance Bill that has a lot in that with respect to property tax assessments and appeals, uh, we're following that as well as House Bill 1627 is in that committee this morning having to do with sales tax collection uh, of nonprofits uh, and sort of what what's the exemption level. Last year, there was legislation enacted that proved to be not real workable. Um, and so, um, we're trying to redo that. I think right now the threshold is $100,000 in sales. Anything below that would be exempt. Uh, in the House public policy later this morning, um, you have the Senate Bill 20, which is 
really a minor bill designating uh, outdoor refreshment areas can have alcohol permits, but um, last week it was amended to include a pro prohibition on grocery stores and convenience stores from selling cold non-beer products, think seltzers and, and wine coolers and things of that nature. Um, that's going to be a, a big battle. Uh, something here of local interest uh, in the House Roads and Transportation this morning at 9.30 is uh, having to do with Marion County Road funding. Um, Abdul, I suppose you might be interested in that <laughs> legislation on, a, on another front. Uh, and then uh, tomorrow we have uh, Senate Bill 8 in the House Insurance Committee on uh, prescription drug rebates and uh, requiring that uh, 80%, 85% of those rebates go back to employers uh, rather than just having an employer and the pharmacy, uh, pharmacy benefit manager um, make those decisions themselves. And then uh, also uh, we've got Senate Bill 4, or excuse me, 1004 being heard in the Senate Public Health um, which is the, um, the big initiative from uh, House Republicans. I was sitting outside the Senate yesterday afternoon when the Senate adjourned and saw uh, major players from the House going into the pro Tim's office. Uh, so I'm sure they're discussing uh, an amendment on that and how that'll be handled. Uh, also on Wednesday, bill that is very important to the chamber and um, I'll let Adam talk about it. Uh, concerning consumer data protection and where that is. Uh, and then also Wednesday, big meeting in the Pensions and Labor Committee. You have the um, PLA, Public Project Labor Agreements Bill that attempts to level the playing field between union and non-union contractors. And then uh, one that Greg Ellis will talk about, I've been working on and kind of wrestling with all session, which is House Bill 1008, are both being heard in Senate uh, Pensions and Labor on Wednesday morning. Uh, then also on Wednesday in Ways and Means, you have Senate Bill 3, which is the State and Local Tax Review Commission that Senator Holdman is pushing. Uh, we're curious to see what uh, Representative Thompson uh, does with that and whether that bill moves forward. Uh, another one Greg will talk about in Ways and Means is uh, 246, which is the Excess Liability Trust Fund and how those uh, funds are used to clean up uh, underground storage tanks and perhaps above ground storage tanks. And then Wednesday afternoon, uh, Jason Beers has been working feverishly with Representative Bainey uh, and now on the Senate side, Senator Rotts on House Bill 1002, which is the bill that uh, looks to sort of revamp high school and provide uh, kids more opportunities for work-based learning opportunities, having career coaching. And uh, so that's a big one for us as well. I think I will stop there, but you hopefully get the sense that um, there are a lot of important things uh, occurring this week in committee uh, on a lot of important uh, business issues and matters. So um, with that, I will go to Greg Ellis. Uh, he's got just a couple really important bills. Uh, 
that are that he's working on this session. Greg? Yeah. Good morning, everyone. Yes, <clears throat> as Kevin mentioned, tomorrow House Bill 1008 is going to be heard in Senate Pensions and Labor. Uh, that's an issue we've been working on since before the legislative session started. We knew it was coming. Um, there was a bill similar to this last year that we um, we were opposed to. It didn't make it out of committee. This year it had more push behind it. It was a House priority bill. Um, it, we've opposed it from the beginning as it's picking winners and losers. We feel that it's anti-business and that it's anti-free market. Uh, it has a whole laundry list of things that if a fund, a pensions fund, or a, a stocks, they're in one of those pension funds, have goals of um, environmental social governance. It cites civil rights statutes. It cites uh, environmental goals. And then it goes on to talk about specific sectors that if uh, can be deemed to be discriminated against, you have to divest from those funds. And that includes firearms, ammunition, fossil fuels, agriculture, um, private prisons, i.e. Uh, border security. So those are all things um, that, you know, we, we feel like they're, they're drawing a line in the sand and they're picking winners and losers. And we're opposed to that. We believe that Senate Bill 292, which was Senator Holman's bill, which hasn't been scheduled for a hearing. We're hearing that it's not going to be scheduled for a hearing. We felt that was the appropriate vehicle to protect pension funds and that it just said that uh, the trustees of NPERS had to uh, carry out their fiduciary duty, what was in the best interest of the beneficiaries of the trust, the pensioners, and, and uh, do that based on financial outcomes. You want me to go on, Kevin, with uh, yeah. Please, and then we'll jump over to Adam. Yeah, Senate Bill 246, um, it started out in the Senate, it's excess liability trust fund. Most people don't know much about that. That's something that the chambers had as a priority in the Environmental uh, Policy Committee for the last five or six years. It's basically an insurance policy for companies that have underground petroleum tanks that if they leak, uh, there's a fund that will help clean that up, which defrays some of their insurance costs. Uh, it's funded by those companies when they get this money, it's 50 cents per gallon. Um, it goes into this fund. What it does, in the last couple of years, it's been underutilized, I guess, is the, the best statement. Uh, and that's a good thing because it means there's less leaks. Uh, but it's grown to a certain amount. There's $155 million in it. It's grown, got some attention from different groups that say, hey, this is too much money uh, for item to have in this fund even though it's it's indicated what it can be used for. There were two bills um, in the Senate that got rolled into Senate Bill 246. Uh, basically, they expand the usage so you can above ground storage tanks. So this would draw in some airports, some industry that has petroleum tanks that are above ground. If they start to leak before they become a huge problem, they can use this money as a 50-50 match to replace those tanks uh, to prevent a big cleanup. There was another bill in the House that it basically, if you were an airport that paid into this, you were able to draw that money off and, and put it into an airport development fund. We oppose that bill not because of the airport development fund. We think the airport development fund is, is a good thing because there's federal money available matching, but we didn't want them to draw off this from this excess liability trust fund because there are other contributors to the fund, gas stations, industry that has tanks they're not able to draw that money in. And we also wanted to protect the longevity of the fund. So um, those all got rolled in in the House in the 246 hearing, and, and they're going to be heard in House Ways and Means tomorrow. Okay. Uh, 
And then one more I would like to comment on that was probably of interest to all of you last week, which was Senate Bill 414. That was the wetlands bill. Um, that was a crazy time of year where amendments happen. They start putting these into bills that don't have a lot of interest. Um, typically like this was an above ground septic issue um, for residential uh, use that in an area that you couldn't have another source of a, a septic system. Um, not a big business issue, but they put 414, which was the wetlands amendment. Uh, we were opposed to Senate Bill 389 a couple of years ago. Um, it was basically the language that started out in the Senate uh, two years ago. It got amended on the floor by Representative Lehman in a much better way to a point where the chamber is no longer opposing it more neutral. Uh, it took out almost all of the bad language and those, those protected wetlands would still be protected. Thanks, Craig. Adam, uh, I touched on a couple of key bills that uh, you're working on for us and are very uh, strong interest to the business community. Yeah, sure. So Kevin uh, referenced the consumer data privacy bill. I'll start there. Uh, this bill is being heard tomorrow in the House Judiciary Committee uh, for an amended vote. Um, just by way of background, the, this bill essentially uh, helps provide guardrails to uh, employers about how to maintain and protect consumer data and also uh, provides avenues for consumers to request uh, what data uh, employers have um, and opt out or opt in to certain data being used by, by those businesses. Um, the, the bill tomorrow, we, the chambers worked hard uh, you know, to keep the bill as clean as possible um, to get it through the process. It has an effective date of January 1st, 2026. Uh, so we feel that the most important thing to accomplish in, in this session is to pass a bill that, by the way, has been in the works for the last 12 months, um, has received input from numerous stakeholders. Everyone, including the Attorney General's office, to, has, has stated publicly that the bill is in good shape. Um, so you know, avoiding any amendments uh, to the bill that might uh, put it in jeopardy of receiving a concurrence vote uh, in, when it goes back over to the Senate. Um, I received uh, an, a copy of the amendment that Representative Lehman, the House sponsor, uh, intends to file tomorrow. I received it last night at about 10 o'clock. Um, and the what the amendment will do is essentially uh, ask the Attorney General's office to put resources on its website um, for companies and businesses that are uh, subject to the bill, um, provide resources on the website so that they can um, use them to help come into compliance. Uh, we, we've worked with stakeholders and we will continue to work with stakeholders to learn from other states that have implemented uh, this bill uh, over the next, you know, nine months before next session, if there are any tweaks that need to be made. But uh, as I mentioned, you know, it's very important to pass a bill to signal to uh, businesses who are looking to invest in Indiana uh, to give them, um, you know, give them notice for, for how the state uh, treats and, and will uh, monitor and regulate uh, consumer data privacy. Um, the bill is modeled after the Virginia bill, which we consider to be the gold standard. So uh, all in all, we're pleased with where the bill is and, and where it's going. Um, on the other side of the chamber, in the, in the Senate uh, Judiciary Committee, uh, House Bill 1504 uh, is going to be heard. 
Um, there was some question whether or not the bill was even going to receive a hearing on the, on the Senate side. Um, and why this is, um, you know, on the radar of, of the business community um, is it, it will expand the definition of a consumer transaction for purposes of the Deceptive Practices Act. Um, it will expand the definition to include business to business transactions that have a downstream effect on consumers. Uh, we consider this to be very problematic um, because it would allow the Attorney General's office to essentially go back and potentially unwind or interfere with a business to business contract that, that took place at some point in the past. Um, we we uh, have been working closely with the Attorney General's office to get that part of the bill um, removed. Uh, they are in agreement uh, that it should be removed. Um, and then the other aspect of the bill uh, is that it would allow for the Attorney General's office to recoup uh, expert witness fees and outside attorney's fees uh, in, during, that they uh, incurred during the course of litigation. Um, I spoke with the Attorney General's office yesterday. Um, they, they're also in agreement to actually remove that part of the bill as well. Um, the third thing that the bill would do uh, is essentially just increase the statute of limitations from two to five years. The chamber is neutral in that provision. Um, so we'll, we shall see what the amendment and what the bill looks like uh, as it is amended and heard tomorrow in, in the House Judiciary. Uh, but again, that's that's a bill that's of importance to, to, um, to the employer uh, community. I, I guess I will touch on one other bill, um, which is uh, Senate Bill 271, uh, which would give uh, certified technology parks the ability to recoup additional tax revenue that's generated uh, from, uh, from that uh, location. Um, the, the bill is introduced, sought an additional $500,000 after certified technology park met its $5 million cap uh, last week. In House Ways and Means Committee, bill was amended to reduce that $500,000 down to $250,000, um, which you know, the chamber still supports. Uh, we, we, you know, we think that the additional $400,000, so going from $100,000 to $500,000, uh, really is a sweet spot for these certified technology parks, but um, it's a win nonetheless. So with that, I'll, I'll turn it back over to Rebecca or Kevin, and um, happy to answer any questions. Does anyone have a question? Uh, I do. Uh, Kevin, uh, last, I want to say last Thursday, the 30th, uh, you testified before the Senate Appropriations Committee. Um, mm -hmm. What did you ask for? What did you testify about? What do you think you guys will get? You mean you weren't there listening <laughs> intently <laughs> or, or watching on the video? <laughs> um, we focused on uh, four areas. Uh, one was child care. Um, and we, and obviously we could have had a much longer list, but was, you know, trying to be concise on the, on the most important, um, things that we saw in the budget. One, one was childcare, um, supporting expansion of uh, the eligibility threshold for on my way pre-K and, uh, adding the, um, Senator Walker's uh, Senate Bill 186, which would, um, create a tax credit for, providers or employers who expand childcare capacity uh, within uh, a local community. Uh, second was the, um, uh, the IEDC programs. We, we 
reiterated our support for those. There were some areas where the House trimmed the governor's budget request back that we asked that those amounts be reinstated back to the governor's level. We also asked that the um, several of the current tax incentive programs be made refundable, which was also uh, requested by the governor, uh, but taken out in the um, House budget. Uh, we also, on the READY program, um, there, there's some language in there that really kind of hamstrings the, the use of READY front funds for broadband, um, which suggested that that language be reviewed and, and possibly removed. Uh, the third area was something um, more specific to a program that the chamber has managed uh, since about 2004. That's the work and learn uh, program that is the uh, yeah, web-based internship matching program available to any college student in the state and any high school or, or excuse me, any employer in the state. That a uh, couple years back with the graduation pathways uh, program, which applies to this year's graduating seniors and each class thereafter, uh, was expanded to include uh, high school students. Um, that what, that uh, program is also the entry portal for the state's earn work study program. And um, when it was expanded to high school students, the support from the General Assembly uh, was not expanded. We've been, uh, this program has been flat for three biennials, so we asked for uh, a very modest $250,000 a year increase there. And then lastly was what I already touched on, which was the Public Health and the Behavioral Health Commission. And um, we reaffirmed our support for that program, those programs and, and those initiatives, and that it should be funded with the cigarette tax increase. So those were the four priority areas we highlighted. Thank you. Um, Ed, you've got, looks like a comment in the chat. You wanna outline that or just have me, I guess, respond um, to what's written here. Um, it's the, obviously the revenue forecast will be presented on April 19th. Um, and that's a, I, I was a member of that committee either officially or an advisor for 20 years uh, earlier in my career. And that's a closed door um, process. What little we are hearing is that uh, there likely won't be much change um, from the December forecast. And um, you know, there was a Wall Street Journal article, article about a month ago that talked about the recession that continues to be six months away. Um, you know, some people keep saying, well, it's coming and it'll be here within six months. And then you know, th three months later, saying the same thing. So um, certainly, the um, it would it would seem that the the forecast of a recession this year that was included in the December forecast has at, at least been pushed back. Uh, the the employment um, numbers you know, coming out of uh, U.S. Department of Labor continued to be strong. Uh, the Fed doesn't have inflation under control yet, uh, but I think this banking, um, these bank failures have, have caused it to think about perhaps hitting the pause button or at least slowing down the pace of the interest rate increases. Um, so 
there's some countervailing factors at work there. But what, what little we know at this point is um, that uh, there will likely be modest changes either up or down. And we'll all be uh, anxiously waiting to see uh, what the official forecast uh, says when it's revealed on April 19th. Uh, with regard to your second question, we don't have any, any comment or observation to make on that. Others? Yes, any further questions? Uh, one, one more thing. Uh, any thoughts on uh, the, our healthcare situation here in Indiana? I saw a report that basically said Indiana's healthcare costs are like $2 billion more uh, than on average. Uh, obviously, this impacts businesses, uh, the economy. Uh, any thoughts on where we are with healthcare in Indiana so far, Kevin? Well, I think the um, that report, which I was looking at over the weekend, is um, compared to 200% of Medicaid, and you've got in, in uh, House Hospital Four right now penalties for um, uh, hospitals and providers if they charge more than 260% of Medicaid. Um, the concern that some in the business community have, I mean, obviously some believe that that will cause them to bring their prices <clears throat> down and if not at that 260% level, um, closer to it. But the other concern that, that uh, some of the business community, some in the hallway have expressed is, does that just lead to them um, keeping their charges at where, where they are, uh, absorbing the penalty and, and adding that to their prices as well? Um, so there are some very, very important and serious discussions yet to be had uh, between now and uh, the end of this session, for sure. But um, healthcare costs are a, a deep concern to employers. Uh, I can tell you, we consistently have heard over many years now that um, from members who have facilities in multiple states, um, almost to, to a company, they say that Indiana is their highest healthcare cost state. And that's not a distinction that we wanna have. It, it, it becomes a strike against us in the, in the economic development game. Uh, of trying to recruit new or expansions of uh, existing employers. Thank you. Ed, did I answer your questions sufficiently? Oh, yes, he's... Good. He's... he's uh, Nonverbal today. <laughs> All right. Um, I guess last call if anyone else has a question. Hearing none, Kevin, do you have any little wrap up you might want to give? Anything else that you may have uh, missed or spurred by some other uh, question or anything Greg or Adam said? Yeah. Um, I want to mention uh, a bill that's already passed and actually is uh, public law one, uh, and that is um, Senator Baldwin's Senate Bill 2, which um, allows small pass-through businesses, uh, which is the overwhelming majority of businesses in Indiana, uh, to take full deductibility of their state and local taxes paid on their federal tax return. Um, the uh, 
Department of Revenue um, has now uh, created a form for that. That was one of the reasons we wanted to move this through the General Assembly quickly because it's retroactive back to January 1 of this year. So it captures the, the 2022 tax year and wanted to give the department and the and CPAs and businesses as much time as possible to um, be able to file returns that take into account that law um, before April 18th of, of this year, or, or, although some may file extensions. But the Department of Revenue has a form, they have guidance out, and you can also, uh, and if you all would help us get the word out about that, um, they can go to the Department of Revenue site. The Indiana CPA Society also has a tutorial uh, on this that you can go, uh, businesses can go to their website as well. So um, that was really a top priority that we were able to get through the General Assembly uh, very early this session, given the, the importance of the timing. So wanted to mention that and uh, to the extent you feel inclined to, to share that with your uh, viewers or your listeners or your readers, uh, we would be most appreciative. And as always, we appreciate you taking the time to uh, spend it with us here uh, as we do these weekly briefings. So thank you. Thank you. That concludes today's briefing, and we hope to see you and hear you next week. Thank you. Goodbye. The recording has stopped. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.